The Giants' official slogan in 2021 was Resilient SF, and uh, they won 107 games. This year, they're not going to win 107, and they still face an uphill battle to make the postseason, but when they've absolutely needed to win, this 2023 team has been Resilient SF. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on the show, we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score, and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there and please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're listening or listening to or watching the show. Uh, Also, please download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And coming up on today's show, Resilient SF, I am just reminded of the slogan from 2021 when, in fact, that proved to be a great (laughs) uh, foreshadowing of what was to come for that season when they revealed that tagline or whatever you want to call it. Uh, because they overcame a you know disappointing few years and and had a 107 win season and this team earlier this 2023 team earlier in the year was resilient remember they were like not scoring early in games but they were just consistently kind of keeping things close with their pitching staff and then coming back and scoring late and winning games well that completely dried up for two and a half months and So that was just not happening at all. But in these last four days with these four wins, they have played that way again. And 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 even better in that they've kind of kept the pedal to the metal consistently throughout the game. I mean, yesterday was different than these Rockies games in which, you know, nine, nine and six runs were scored, respectively. Uh, Yesterday was more of a kind of lower scoring nail biter. But the fact is that last night they fell behind in the 10th. And this was a game in which they had a lead. And many times there were there were opportunities to like not allow runs or to add on some runs with situational hitting. And they failed uh, multiple times. Brandon Crawford made a made a two out error that was immediately followed by a two run homer and inning should have been over instead two runs on the board for the Guardians in a game that ended up, you knew it was going to be tight and relatively low scoring. And it ended up being uh, the final score was five to four. So obviously that two run homer was huge, but they were resilient. They came back and they answered right away in that next inning. And that is just something that was, that frankly disappeared for so long yeah the guardians got those two runs and the giants got two runs right back in the bottom of the third uh and that 
we saw in the Rockies series. I mean, in that, I think it was the first game of the series, they were down 4 nothing, And then they had the back-to-back-to-back homers to tie it up at 4. And then they get punched in the mouth again, giving up uh, three runs, three-run homer, right? Uh, I think it was Taylor Rogers against Elias Diaz, and it was suddenly 7-4, and the wind is... Uh, all the air is sucked out of the building, but they came back again and won that game. And then in the Sunday night baseball game, Keaton Wynn was on the mound and they fell behind 3 nothing, and they came back and won that game as well. And so that's important because as an offense, they had completely lost confidence. It was clear, like, it basically, I have tweeted out like a week or two ago when the Giants fell behind one to nothing, it felt like the game was over. And that is not really an exaggeration. They were so bad offensively, it just felt like no deficit was surmountable. But the fact that for four straight games, basically, they've just kind of, I think Mike Kruko keeps pointing out, and I haven't double checked this, but they've had 10 or more hits in four consecutive games. And so to see the bats waking up is huge. And then just specifically to get to this uh, Guardians game. Giants were leading three to two after that, you know, two run bottom of the third following the Crawford error and the homer, but the Guardians tied it up in the seventh. And things were dicey. Some bullpen, you know, bullpen, bullpen arms kind of wiggled out of jams for sure in the late innings there, but the Guardians got a run in the top of the 10th with the ghost runner even though they threw the the initial ghost runner out at third on a bunt attempt so despite that a stolen base and then a run on a hit and so the giants are down uh four to three and you're facing then in the bottom of the 10th emmanuel classe who is just one of the premier closers in baseball the dude has an era under two i think it's 1.95 in his career spanning over 200 innings. And so Classe on the mound, Blake Sable at the plate, he's had his strikeout problems. Like a strikeout would just be a disastrous situation there. He swings through the first pitch at 100 miles an hour, makes the adjustment. That's This kid is so like mentally strong, I think. And like he, he'll, he'll have a rough swing and he'll just kind of step out and like seemingly talk to himself a little bit mentally and then he will adjust and that's exactly what he did there and he hit a huge single that thankfully wasn't hit too hard because it allowed jock peterson the automatic runner on second to score easily without a throw even and then sable stole second so that's another like he's a catcher who's big and tall and he's stealing bases and he plays the outfield so just kudos to Blake Sable on the season that he's had. It hasn't been perfect, but he's certainly had his moments. And last night was among his best, despite some rough defense. He had some, he had two pass balls. Um, so it was a, it was a crazy game. And then uh, he got to second on the steal. A Bach got him to third, and then Wade Jr. next batter up just hit a rocket. Actually, it wasn't hit that hard either, but just a good low trajectory line drive, and it fell in front of the center fielder. And that was the ball game. So once again, a game in which they kind of 
they squandered some situational at bats. I didn't really get into details, but a runner on third, no out situation. They couldn't get a run to break, I think, what was a tie. And then going down in the 10th and having to face Class A. And yet they won anyway. And why is this so important? Well, because time is running out. There are 18 games remaining. And the team that they're ultimately chasing right now, the D-backs, they refuse to lose as well. And so the Giants needed to keep pace with a win. And so coming up in just a minute, we're going to get into the state of the race. 18 games left. What are the standings? What are the playoff odds? And also, how about a gutsy Alex Cobb performance pitching through pain? Clearly, he's got this hip impingement and he just gutted it out uh, through five innings in really impressive fashion. So we will get into all of that in just a minute. And before we do, I want you to know that this episode is brought to you by my absolute favorite app, Sleeper. Uh, The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is right now. And for me, what I enjoy is checking out the Giants and, and their games. And you can see here, if you're watching on YouTube, I've got the app open right here. And what you can do is you can look at all these individual players, Sean Manaya starting tonight, very interesting. And you can simply pick more or less on the set, like strikeout number, which is set at three and a half. Hits allowed is set at four and a half. And you just select more or less. And you can do it with all the hitters as well, with RBIs, walks, singles, whatever. And it's just a ton of fun. And I highly, highly recommend that you check it out. And if you use promo code locked on, you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, as promised, uh, why this win was so important, what the state of the race is, what the standings are, what the playoff odds are, all of that, because look, time is running out and all that stuff matters so much. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day, every day or tomorrow. We're going to be breaking down. How about Sean Manaya's first start since May 10th? First start since May 10th for Sean Manaya coming up tonight. And that's significant uh, for a team that has not had stability in their rotation. It's interesting timing, uh, but there are reasons for it. But we'll be breaking down the game. Cal Quantrill on the mound for the Guardians, normally a good pitcher, but looks he's got a 5.70 ERA on the season. So something's going on with him this year that the results just haven't been good. Giants play the Guardians at 6.45 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. And so, the state of the race, why this game was so important. Like, I, I'm sitting there... A nervous wreck. I mean, maybe not a nervous wreck, but I know the significance of this game. Once Arizona came from behind in very annoying fashion to win their game. They were down in Arizona was down in the eighth on the road against the Mets. Tommy Pham, the former Met. I think they were they the team that traded him to the D-backs, I think. And Tommy Pham hit a game tying homer in the eighth. And then in the ninth, they the D-backs tacked on another run. 
And then in the bottom of the ninth, the Mets had a great chance. Runner on third, one out, and Vogelback struck out. And then another runner reached and stole second. So they had the tying run on third, winning run on second. Brandon Nimmo at the plate, and he flew out. So Mets just really kind of blew that one, and it it really hurt the Giants. So once that was over, because let me be clear, if the D-backs had lost, and at that time when they were trailing, the Giants were winning their game in the early stages. And so the probability was, hey, D-backs might lose, Giants might win, and you would be half a game back, half a game back in the race. But instead, once the D-backs won, you had the potential to be two and a half back if you lost yourself. And it was a close game, and then it became tied. And so suddenly, what was looking like it may very well be you're only half a game back became you may very well be two and a half back. So a two-game swing. I mean, that's enormous at this time of the year with the clock winding down. I mean, you're just running out of games here. And so to pick up this win and keep pace with Arizona was, I thought, I just thought it was critically important, especially because there was another team ahead of the Giants in the standings, and that was the Marlins. But the Marlins got destroyed. I think they lost 12 to nothing to the, to the Brewers. And so the Giants gained a full game on them. And thereby, the Giants and Marlins are tied in the standings. They have exactly the same record at 74 and 70. And just half a game behind the Giants and Marlins are the Cincinnati Reds, who are two back of Arizona. So You've got San Francisco and Miami, a game and a back, game and a half back of Arizona. Miami, half a game back of San Francisco and Miami. Did I just say Miami, half a game? Cincinnati, half a game behind the Giants and Marlins with the Padres uh, eight games out of a playoff spot with, for them, 17 games remaining. So their fan graphs list the Padres playoff odds at 0.1%, which is one in a thousand. So I'm going to wait to do a celebratory dance about that until they're actually eliminated, but one in a thousand is not great odds. So speaking of odds, where does this leave the Giants? Well, according to Fangraphs, they it's like they update this constantly throughout the day even. I don't quite understand. It'll fluctuate even when no games are happening. But up to the minute, uh, you've got the Giants at 36.3%. So I'll just remind you that going into Friday, which was the first day of this four-game winning streak, their odds, according to Fangraphs, were 21.5%. So they have not doubled, but kind of sort of almost doubled their odds with the four-game winning streak. And 36.3%, which is what it is now, is not great. But as I've said, like the positive outlook is positive mindset about that is that Luis Arise leads the major leagues in batting average at 349. And so if you believe these fan graphs probabilities, which some of you probably just throw them in the garbage, but some of you probably are with me and following along, but the odds of the Giants making the playoffs then would be higher than the odds if you took a random at bat of Luis Arise from this season, it has to be random, and you just pushed play and watched the at-bat unfold, if he gets a hit, I mean, the chances of him getting a hit are lower 
than the chances of the Giants making the playoffs. And so no one would be surprised if the guy who leads the major leagues in batting average got a single or, excuse me, a hit of any kind in a random at-bat from this season. And that's kind of where the Giants are at. A little bit better, better odds than that. So, look, you'd like to be 99.2% like the Brewers or 100% like the Dodgers, but... The reality is 36% at the moment, according to Fangraphs. Uh, but the D-backs, who were at like 54 or 55 yesterday, uh, down, no, I think two days ago, and then they lost a game. The, D- the D-backs are at 47%, 47.2. So the Giants are the next closest kind of behind them with the Marlins at 19.6% and the Reds at 12.5%. So this is factoring in... How good does it think these teams are? It happens to think the Giants are just better than the Marlins and the Reds. And so that goes into this. Even though the Giants are tied with the Marlins, how come the Marlins' odds are 19.6% and the Giants are 36%? So it's how good does the does the Fangraphs model think the Giants are? And then also what is the remaining schedule like? It takes that into account as well. And the Giants, the soft part, they're, they're four games into it, but then it gets to a, a, a much more difficult part. Hopefully, I mean, the Padres will probably be eliminated by the time they come into town. And that team, I've seen them kind of just be lazy and just not play hard. And so hopefully that's what happens when the Padres come into town. And the Dodgers also may not be playing for anything. And so it might possibly be tough for them to get up for these games. They'll try to, but it's just not the same when there's really nothing on the line. So hopefully that's what transpires, but one game at a time. I mean, right now you've got the Guardians tonight, you've got the Guardians the following day, and then you go to Denver and you've got four against the Rockies, which is like, yes, it's the Rockies, but it's also Coors Field, which is you just never know what's going to happen there. So that's the state of the race up to the minute. You've also got the Cubs at 88.3%. So there's And the D-backs and Cubs are going to play each other coming up starting on Friday. And so like, I guess if the D-backs were to like sweep that series, it could become the Cubs that you're chasing. And so it's, there's stuff in flux. And my main takeaway here is that yesterday's win was huge. You're at 36% now. If you lost, you'd be at like 20. And so there's there's a possibility of huge fluctuations here every single day. And so I'm watching all these games, Arizona, Miami, Cincinnati, and even Chicago super closely and updating you each and every day. So coming up in just a minute, we're going to get to a gutsy Alex Cobb and a ticked off Ross Stripling. We'll get into what's going on with Ross Stripling and, and all that in just a minute. And before we do, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't have to be a stressful event in and of itself. You want to have fun at the actual event. Why stress about buying tickets to the event? And for me, I've traveled to Giants games a lot and going to a stadium I've never been to, to before. How am I supposed to know what the it, what it looks like from the seat? And especially when you're looking at a two-dimensional graph, uh, it doesn't show you the height, like how high up is the seat. And there is different at all the stadiums. And so with game time images of seat views, that is a game changer for me. And then also I'm a stickler for price and I don't want to get 
ripped off, frankly. And with the Game Time Guarantee, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you not just 100%, but 110% of the difference. So it's totally stress-free. You buy those tickets, keep your eye out on the same section and row, and if you find tickets for less, you're going to get 110% credit there. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked on MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, as promised, a gutsy Alex Cobb and a a airing of grievances by Ross Stripling and also Sean Manaya. He's starting tonight. Strange. It's been since May 10th. What is that? Four months? June, July, August. It's been over four months since he's made a start and he's starting tonight. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow. Yeah, every game is huge. So it's going to be more of the same attitude of like, I mean, it could be disaster. If you fall to two and a half back with 17 to play it's going to be depressing but if you know the possibility exists of being half a game back with 17 to play and then you're i'm going to be even more excited than i am right now so look out for that the giants play the d-backs tonight or uh the not the not the d-backs the guardians tonight at 6 45 pacific and you can catch every pitch of the giants hometown broadcast with sirius xm on the sxm app search giants and so Alex Cobb, I mean, my goodness, this guy just, he had a, he has a left hip impingement, which pushed back his start. Uh, he was supposed to start on the 9th, but he was pushed back to the 11th after he received a cortisone shot in the impinged hip, which has been giving him trouble since mid-June. He's 35 years old, and... Yeah, I mean, he did throw a complete. He threw a one hitter against the Reds on August 29th, but uh, he clearly uncomfortable. Like in the first inning, he said it's kind of sad that leading up to this start and in his bullpen, like getting loose before the game, he felt great and he was like thinking, "Man, this issue that's been bothering me since mid June may be behind me." And he said on the second pitch of the game, the actual game. He felt it just kind of, he called it a stinger, and it was back. And so it just goes to show you the difference between kind of practice and then once you get between the lines and and the stuff matters, it's just different. And so he was clearly uncomfortable. There was there had to be a mound visit with the trainer. I think it was in the first inning, and it looked like he, he, it looked like he might have to come out right then and there. But he just gutted, it, gutted his way through it. And he said he doesn't feel like he's at risk of injuring, like of having a serious kind of injury, like structurally. It's just kind of a pain tolerance thing. And so, but I mean, it's not just about pain tolerance. It's about if you're having pain, it causes you to change your mechanics. And he said that's what was happening at times during the game. And you could see it. I mean, he was just, his splitters were missing up and away, which is just not at all where you want to throw the splitter. Because he was kind of being ginger, he was pitching. He because it's the left hip, so I guess it's kind of the landing hip, and he, you know driving forward right as you complete your pitch, 
he's kind of being tender with it. And his body is like, don't drive onto that hip. But he said he had to like mentally tell himself, look, you've got to drive through this more. You can't just be being, gin, you know, being soft on it. And so it, all in all, it was just such a gutsy performance. He ended up going five innings and what the only the only runs he allowed were unearned on that home run that I mean, Crawford, it was just a bad defensive play. He totally should have made it. He came up on the ball when it stayed down. He's just, um, you know, he's not as good as he once was, frankly, Crawford. He's still good, solid at least, but that was a big play, and it could have cost them this game. But, um, you know, Cobb then did give up a homer, but that was it. Those were the only runs he allowed. Three hits, one walk, only two strikeouts, kind of indicative of he wasn't 100%, but he just the gutting his way through it and pitching through pain uh, and taking the ball even though he's not feeling right, it's just, I gain. I already had a lot of respect for Alex Cobb, but now I have even more. Speaking of respect for a pitcher, though, Ross Stripling. This is a this is a story that probably deserves a little more time, but basically, he's pulling a Derek Holland, which is that he's not happy with his role, and his role is that he's currently on the IL. Uh, he claims he's healthy, and... He's he used the term phantom IL. And so this is people all the time on Twitter are telling me like when I'm saying there's a roster crunch, I don't know how exactly they're going to deal with it. And people are constantly saying like phantom IL, phantom IL. Well, it is totally against the rules to fake an injury, to use the injured list to manipulate your roster. And so Ross Stripling is essentially saying that's what the Giants are doing. And he said this to you know, newspapers like so he he said he like expected a talking to he expected a being called into the principal's office for his comments. But he just doesn't frankly care, it seems about that. He's willing to say these things. And he's probably right. You know, he probably he says he feels healthy and yet he's still on the injured list. And but just like with Derek Holland, I don't know if you remember this reference, but Derek Holland basically said the same thing in 2019 but the thing is about stripling is i just like there's there's a couple things to say here and as i type stripling into fan graphs it doesn't even show his name um the thing is about stripling is he's got a 529 era he's got a 546 expected era a 552 fielding independent pitching He's allowed 2.3 home runs per nine. He's allowed 20 home runs in 78 and a third innings. 20. He allowed 12 home runs last year in 134 innings. And he has 20 in 78 this year. So he's stunk. Like, to be frank, if he wants to be frank, and look, he's right. They cannot technically legally whatever not legally but like by the rules of mlb they cannot fake an injury then he's saying that they are so this is a story uh but the giants just like they did with Derek holland kind of i think farhan zaidi like made a statement to a newspaper that said he is injured he did have a back strain so like they have to say that because otherwise you can get in trouble and that's the thing i've always said is that Every player has actual injuries, you know, like 
the wear and tear of playing baseball every day, you've got stuff going on that's wrong with your body that they could like technically use to say he's injured. Look at this inflammation in his back. And so it's kind of a thing. But like the fact is, the reality is they don't want him pitching and they've got 18 games left and they're like, we have uh, 14 better options because now rosters are at 28 and he, they said he's like the 29th man. He said that they said that to him. 28 roster spots and he's 29th. And so like they'd rather have Keaton win making starts. They'd rather have Sean Manaya out there than Ross Stripling. And I don't blame them given these numbers. And so the last part that's interesting about this is that he's got the opt out after the season. And because of how bad he's been, frankly, this season, the assumption was that he's definitely going to opt in to whatever $12.5 million next year. But if he's so unhappy, he he said that you know one of the main reasons he signed here is because of assurances that he would be a starter. But he was, I mean, he was just so bad that you couldn't justify continuing to throw him out there every five days. I kind of I understand this from the team's perspective, and uh, so it's like he's so bad that he's not going to probably get twelve and a half million elsewhere. But if he's so unhappy with how he's being used. And knowing he could be used the exact same way next year, does he choose to opt out just because he doesn't want to be here anymore? So that's going to be a fascinating, that's an offseason story, I guess. I mean, that all happens like five days after the World Series ends that opt out decisions have to be made. But that is a fascinating case where a guy might opt out simply because he's not happy, not because he thinks he can make more money elsewhere. So anyway, I don't blame him though. They need to win. They need the best players, not the players that they're, who are paid the most right now. And Keaton Wynn, I think he provides... I mean, he made a really good start the other day. I'd rather see him on the mound than Ross Stripling. Sorry, Ross Stripling, but the, you put yourself in this position by stinking all season. And so there's me airing some grievances. <laughs> anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow, breaking down a huge game two against the Guardians with, did I even say, oh yeah, Sean Manaya, duh. Sean Manaya going for the Giants, starting. The Guardians are a little vulnerable against lefties, so I think that's why Manaya is starting. Cal Quattrall, right-handed pitcher, having a rough year. I I wish I could. I wish I had time to look into what the numbers say. I'll probably tweet about it. So follow me there on X at Ben Caspic K A S P I C K. Also, if you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance, and thanks to everyone who's done so already. By the way, the Giants played the Guardians at six forty-five Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Giants. So huge game. Go for five straight, pedal to the metal, and I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. Today, you are now Locked on Giants.